On January 5th, 1970, television audiences were introduced to the trials and tribulations of a small fictional town in Pennsylvania called Pine Valley. And for 41 years, 8 months, and 18 days, millions of soap fans have tuned in to catch the highs and the lows, the laughter and the tears of all their favorite Pine Valley residents. But today, September 23rd, 2011, that all came to an end as All My Children aired its final episode on ABC. But in true soap opera fashion, there's a little bit of a cliffhanger as soap fans wait to find out if their favorite Pine Valley residents will live on on the internet. Today it's a look back at 41 years of memories with your favorite All My Children stars and your favorite AMC clips on a very special edition of Soap Central Live. That theme song really takes me back. It takes me back to when I first started watching All My Children in the early 1990s. Hey everybody, welcome to Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll, and I am not ashamed to admit that I am a huge All My Children fan. Today, we're going to look at some of the highlights of 41 years of All My Children. How you fit so many highlights into about 55 minutes of show, I'm not entirely sure. But what I want to do today is I don't want today's show to be sad. I don't want this to be like a meeting of the All My Children Withdrawal Anonymous Club. Uh, you know, there are so many things that we can celebrate as fans of All My Children. And I want today to be positive. I want us to have some smiles and some laughs in addition to probably shedding a few tears. There's nothing that can be said about All My Children being taken off the air. I think we can all agree that this show should not have been canceled, that it should have remained on the air for many years to come, which is why I'm so optimistic that there are some new owners who are going to put All My Children together on the internet and hopefully keep it in a format that all of us and future generations can watch for many, many, many years to come. After all, 41 years of history is nothing to be dismissed lightly. Back in early August, I had the distinct privilege of traveling to the fictional world of Pine Valley out in Los Angeles, California. I was invited to what would be the final press junket. It's basically a big press conference for all my children on its run on ABC. And I had the opportunity to speak to pretty much the entire cast of All My Children. There were a couple of stars who were not there, who were sorely missed. But this was the first time that I had the opportunity to see everybody, the entire cast of All My Children, together in one place. And of course, sadly, 
it would probably be the last time. So what I'd like to do over the next hour is to share some of my interviews with the cast of All My Children so that you can hear how passionate these actors are, not only about the show, but about all of us as fans. But what is it about All My Children that has so many people feeling so passionately about it? Well, I can't think of anyone better to explain that than the creator of All My Children, Agnes Nixon. The wonderful thing is that the audience, I think the audience loves the show because they identify with the characters. And I've said a hundred times, more than, many more than a hundred times, that to date, Susan Lucci, long before today, created Erica quite as much as we did. And that's true with David Canary, who played Adam Stewart, and and just all the, the wonderful people on the show. J- James Mitchell, who died not too long ago and whom we miss so much. And I don't know, it's, it's hard to put into words. It's almost mystical to me. You know, it's, uh, I call it my real world of make-believe. <laughs> and it's that world of make-believe that invited so many of us into the world of All My Children, just like Myrtle Fargate invited anyone who needed a place to stay into her boarding house. Link invited me here. He considers me one of the family. Of the yeah, we're very old friends, and I have a great affection for him, as well you should have. But let me warn you: don't you ever dare delude yourself that you have any claim to an alliance with the Tyler family. <laughs> of course, it was my gross error in the first place to involve myself with you. I-, I can't imagine why I thought I could ever trust you. I mean, you haven't a shred of integrity, no loyalty at all. Because I wouldn't help you separate Kitty and Link. I'm glad to say that I have nothing to do with your lousy plans. The few months that I had with them two kids was the happiest time of my life. I mean, after all, where can you go to see a supermodel stare down a bear? Get away from me, you, you disgusting, disgusting beast. You may not do this. Do you understand me? You may not come near me. America Kane, and you are a filthy beast. It just always seems that something crazy is going on in Pine Valley, and isn't this supposed to be a small, quiet town in the middle of Pennsylvania, somewhere near an ocean? I mean, it's not exactly the corner of, well, you know. Are you going out again? Well, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how we feel. Now that she has that car, I never know where she is. Sometimes she goes four or five places in one evening. Well, you gotta go where the action is, Mona. Isn't that right, Erica? When there is any. I mean, Pine Valley mm. isn't exactly the corner of Hollywood and Vine. No. Well, I've been on that corner. It's not all it's cracked up to be. And if you think the action is crazy on screen, from what we hear from some of the stars, it was just as crazy behind the scenes. Take a listen as Debbie Morgan recounts a scene that wasn't supposed to be funny, but thanks to one of her co-stars, it ended up being, well, a laugh fest. The original Opal was played by the actress Dorothy Lyman, who was just just brilliant, just absolutely. Her comedic timing was impeccable. And, you know, 
with soaps, you sort of tweak your lines here and there, you know, because we've been playing these characters for so long. You you sort of know sometimes what doesn't feel right coming out of your mouth, so we do that. But Dorothy Lyman and Darnell Williams, they were just, you never knew what they were going to say. And I had a story where Angie had gotten pregnant, and she was, gonna, she was going to New York to look for her best friend, Jenny, who had gone off to New York to become a model. And Jenny was in New York with her mother, Opal. And at this time, I'm wearing this pregnancy pad that's like out to here. I get to Jenny's penthouse. I knock on the door, and Dorothy is supposed to open the door and say, Oh, my God, Angie, you know, what are you doing here? And Dorothy, in that southern twang drawl, opens the door, and she said, Oh, my God, Angie, what the hell happened to you? I tell you, there was not a, a, a dry eye on the studio floor. It was so hilarious. I don't know how many times we had to do that scene to get through it. And that probably remains one of my funniest moments on the show. <laughs> not to be outdone, Alicia Minshew recounts a moment where she and some of her co-stars were uncontrollable in their fits of laughter. And Torsten Kay puts all of the blame right on his co-star, Alicia. There is a moment, though, that was on, that I'm thinking of. I was on set with Torsten and Rebecca and Cameron and Aiden Turner and Melissa Claire Egan, and we were all on set on an airplane laughing so hard yeah. that, that they stopped rolling and they had to wait for us to contain ourselves because we were laughing. Moments like that, when you're just having a moment with your friends, as unprofessional as it was, I love. And they never got that back. That was <laughs> when it's the women, mostly. Yeah. When the, when the laughing starts, you're done. It's finished. Might as well move on. I am done. That's it. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I love that. There is nothing better to me than a belly laugh. Granted, it shouldn't be on the clock when you're at work, but no, if it happens... but why and, not? But, you know, why not? Life is too short, right? You can't be... That, that's... But it was also a typical soap moment, you know, where everyone's doing the stare and the thing. And we who's were got hiding the behind thing. magazines. So, I remember because <sighs> Melissa had to act, and I was just behind a magazine. <laughs> Shaking. Laughing. And I look over, and we're all laughing behind magazines. It was one of those moments where we always we talk about it. And you, you'll rem we'll remember that years, years from now. As you just heard, Alicia Minshew has no problems taking responsibility for some of the giggling on set. And you know what? Two of her co-stars, Cameron Matheson and Rebecca Budig, well, they don't have any problems pointing the finger at her either. Being on this boat on a remote with Cameron and laughing so hard I cried. That was one of my favorite moments. Um, it was Alicia, Cameron, and I worked together a lot for like a stretch of time. And I mean, it was just... We went to this perfume factory. We, <laughs> we all had to wear these blue caps, and that made me laugh. <laughs> it's, still... it's, it's her favorite for reasons you may not expect. I know, I know. I mean, but you mean, true, but you mean like really... my favorite stories or my favorite? No, favorite like, moments. My favorite that's moments good. really have been when, like, when I'm having fun on set, when I'm doing fun things. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Sometimes the stars can't even answer a simple question without cracking a joke. Here's Daniel Cosgrove's response when asked if there were any funny stories from filming All My Children that he'd like to share. I'm glad you ask. I'm glad you ask. Nobody wants to know what I find funny. No. But it isn't just the laughter that keeps us entertained. 
All My Children is also known for being one of the soaps that told the most social issue storylines. Storylines that involved everything from drug and alcohol abuse to HIV AIDS to coming out. I want you to break it off, Cindy. Why? I love her. I know I'm not, I'm not the brightest guy in the world, but Cindy knows that. She likes me just the way I am. She has AIDS. It's a dangerous disease. You don't get AIDS from being with a friend. I can be with her, I can hug her, I can even kiss her if I want to. It's not that simple, Stuart. People who are in love don't always stop at kissing. <laughs> what do you think I am? We're not married. I, I, I respect Cindy. I would never do that unless we were married. So people can't always rely on self-control. It's, it's just too big a chance to take. I don't know why you're doing this to me. I mean, I'm hanging on by a thread here. This is not about you, Mom. The hell it isn't. Well, I'll tell you this. I will not let my company down. And I will not let my fans down. And I will not let myself down. I'll just do what I've always done. I'll just do it alone. Have you always loved me, Mom? Have you? How could you even ask me a question like that? Do you love me now? Bianca, do you? Yes. I'm gay. One of the reasons that Agnes Nixon set out to address certain issues on All My Children was the result of her own personal experiences. In this next interview, she talks about some of the things that she saw as a child that impacted her life and made her see things in a different way. I think the racial, for me, having come from the South and... Uh, Having been, having as a little girl to sit on a bus and watch distinguished African-American people walk past me to stand in the back of the bus was abhorrent. And, and, and that's the first thing I did on the first show that was, that I had, you know, created because it was so wrong. But, but that was my having been affected by it as a child, I think. It isn't just Agnes Nixon who's been touched by what she's experienced in life. A lot of viewers have learned things from watching All My Children and the many social issues that have been touched upon over the years. And the cast and crew is not immune to this as well. Michael E. Knight, who plays Tad, wasn't actively involved in Bianca's coming out storyline. But it doesn't mean that the storyline had any less power. Take a listen to what he had to say about the storyline of Bianca coming out. One of the things I was most uh, proud of, also I'm proud of her, is, is Eden Regal. She was a wonderful actress. And one of the things I liked is the fact that they said, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to create a major character who's gay. But it's not going to be, because up to that point, um, characters, they would do a gay storyline, it would be kind of shock. It would be like giving the patient adrenaline. It would be like, ooh, there's a, it's something racy. Wow, it's like this is. But, you know, All My Children was the first to say, no, 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 this is, you know. Erica's daughter is gay and, and proud to be so, unapologetically. And we are going to tell stories that are just as relevant, you know, with this character, become a beloved part of the family of Pine Valley.
One of the things I think Agnes has always been um, pretty good about is spousal abuse and child abuse. I mean, there are things that that are very uncomfortable, you know, but by their nature, solely by their nature, they're controversial. In other words, they challenge the audience a little bit. And um, Agnes is nothing if not a master storyteller. I mean, the whole secret of soaps is you want to piss them off just a little bit so you can make them really happy later on. Um, I am proudest of, I, I, I think, the the child abuse because my character is my character for 30 years has been a product of that and so therefore there's all kinds there's been all kinds of artistic leeway over the years for to watch someone who's a grown man you know he's got a family he's got grandchildren now who still you know something can 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 tap that and can alter his behavior and therefore making him an interesting character something that you want to watch because he's still you still you wrestle with that your whole life you never really win you kind of get into a corner and struggle to hold it there. Michael's co-star and on-screen love interest Katie McLean also credits Agnes Nixon for bringing awareness to a variety of women's issues, issues that hadn't been explored in daytime or in some cases even on primetime. You know, I grew up with all, uh, all women and a family of all women and uh, I never, but I also was an actor as a child and I didn't know that there was a forum for women's issues until this show. And this was the only place I discovered, you know, women's stories coming front and center. And uh, on top of that, you know, the social issues uh, coming front and center, and that's thanks to Agnes Nixon. And and I think one of the reasons I've stayed in daytime uh, for as long as I have is because I feel like, you know, the the women have a voice here. And, um, you know, it's, it's certainly mutual and shared and equal, but, um, but in a lot of other parts of entertainment, you know, women are often, you know, the wife, the mother, the girlfriend, the sidekick, you know, not the lead. And so it's been nice to have moments in my career here to actually have that, to, have the, to be able to be the person, the face that has that opportunity to tell a woman's story. That's meant a lot to me and affected me a lot as uh, a woman growing up, you know, being validated in that way. Torsten Kay and Alicia Minshew also agree that Agnes Nixon is always involved in these storylines. And the storylines that she's helped written are some of the ones that are the most memorable. For example, Alicia Minshew's character, Kendall, has a child with a hearing impairment. Agnes Nixon's always been the mastermind of the show, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the cool thing is she's in the building. She, she was here today. I don't know if you saw her. She was here yesterday. So you know she's got her fingers in the pie, you know, and it's going to be a cool deal. I don't know what's going to happen in the end. I think it's going to be a really cool deal. As, as far as the past, social issues, you, you dealt with that more than I did. Um, the, the one that I dealt with, it was uh, the, one story that I told was, was with my child being deaf. And, and losing his hearing, and I got to go to a, a, a place with deaf children, little deaf babies. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. So that was something very heavy, and I was glad to be a part of that, and we had a real child come on the show who was deaf with a cochlear implant, and so I felt like that was an important part of the story and, and helping people and just telling a real story. Some of the other issues that All My Children has addressed in its 41 years on the air include topics like abortion. Erica Kane 
had the first legalized abortion in daytime television history. There were topics of racism. I remember Terrence Fry being beaten up by a gang of thugs at the health club. Uh, topics such as interracial relationships. There was a, a lot of backlash from what I remember when SoapCentral.com first was starting about the relationship between Tom Cudahy and Livia Fry. Uh, so many issues that have been addressed. And, you know, you look at certain things and realize how far we've come as a society. And I don't necessarily know that the soap operas were directly responsible for that, but certainly on some level, soap operas bring into our consciousness a level of exploration to explore what we are thinking about ourselves. And there is so much left to explore in the next half of the show. I mean, we haven't even touched on the 41 years of history, but one of the things that is most easily identifiable about All My Children is, of course, the show's theme song. It's hard to believe that in 41 years there have maybe only been about six different opening credits montages. Here's one that played in the early 2000s when, I guess, smooth jazz was in. Do you remember this song? Let's take a listen. gotten this far into our very special tribute to All My Children here on Soap Central Live without hearing from the face of All My Children to many people, Susan Lucci. For 41 years, she has played the role of Erica Kane, a role that she says was only supposed to pop up every now and again. And now, as we're looking back on the show, it's hard to think of All My Children without Erica Kane. And to think, Susan Lucci originally tried out for the role of Tara Martin. How would the show have been different if uh, Erica Kane wasn't Susan Lucci, or Susan Lucci wasn't Erica Kane. I think it's a good time to take a look back at some of Erica's most infamous moments. Many of those moments involved her on-screen mother, Mona, played by the late Frances Heflin. Now, I know you're not going to like what I have to say, but I'll say whatever is necessary to keep you from making your life more miserable than it already is. Mother, my life is not miserable. Erica! What on earth do you mean coming in mother, like this? Mother, if my marriage falls apart, it will be all your fault! How dare you, Mother! Erica! When are you going to learn to keep your nose out of my private life? Nikki, you came to me for advice. Now don't go to New York. Don't go. Just stay out of it. Oh, honey, I, I didn't know you were up. Well, with this racket, who could sleep? Why, what a wonderful way to greet your mother. Don't you even say good morning? When it is a good morning. You know, Erica, if you are so worried about your reputation, may I strongly suggest to you that you live your life a great deal more discreetly than you have in the past. 
Don't you worry, Madame Pompadour. I will. I'm so scared of getting sick. I'm scared of being dependent on you. But I'm most scared of leaving you alone. Don't you talk like that. Do you hear me? Don't you ever talk like that. You are never going to leave me alone. Do you hear me? You're not going anywhere, and you're never going to leave me alone. I guess the legacy will remain to be seen, but, oh, there are a couple things that come to mind. One of the things that I'm, I'm so thrilled by is that, and I have been traveling a lot in the, in the country, around the country lately, I've had women come up to me and say, it's because of Erica Kane that I became a lawyer. It's because of Erica Kane that I got my master's degree or I started my own business. And that, that's thrilling to me because they really, they saw the spirit in Erica, the can-do spirit in Erica and uh, the determination, despite being knocked down, whatever, being told you can't, the fact that she would rise up and, uh, and maintain her spirit and not, not allow herself to be, uh, to think of herself as a victim ever. And um, so that I'm very proud of and very, very happy when there have been women from all over the world who will come to me and say, I learned to speak English when I came to this country by watching Erica Kane because they didn't have to necessarily understand the language right away. They could see that she was a very passionate woman and they knew they could tell what she wanted, what she was after, what the scenes were about. So those things I'm very, very proud of. It's been a great source of pride for me to be associated with this show, to um, be the great lucky recipient of, of such amazing work in scripts that I would read, to be associated with Agnes Nixon and uh, Lorraine Broderick for the largest part. Uh, thrilling, thrilling to see the response of the audience, the fans who um, are passionate and I, I have always played the bad girl in town, the naughty girl in town, uh, the self-involved girl in town, and I never thought the audience would even get her. I was only supposed to be on very seldom, just to stir the pot and go away. But the audience really, <laughs> really <laughs> got this character. And that speaks to, again, to, to Agnes and uh, her writing, not of cardboard characters, but each character has issues, has a flaw, is real, is, is nobody cardboard, no but cardboard good and no cardboard bad, and it makes it interesting. And it's got to be interesting when you've been married more times than an average person three or four times over. Can you name all of Erica Kane's marriages in chronological order? I know that I can't, so I'm not even going to try to embarrass myself here on the air by attempting to name them. But one of the things, even if you can name them, that will remain up for debate is who is the true love of Erica Kane's life? For many people, they think that that is Jackson Montgomery, played by Walt Willie. I had a chance to ask the two of them if they agree that Erica and Jack are meant to be together, or do they think that maybe they should run in the other direction when they see each other? Here's what they had to say. I think there's probably no question that Jack is the love of Erica's life. But is Erica smart enough to see it, hear it, know it? You know, she has so much, uh, so many issues unresolved. Fortunately, she never went to therapy, so she still has all those issues. So. <laughs> and no new ones from going to therapy, which sometimes <laughs> That's funny. happens, I think. 
Uh, you know, I, I think clearly they are. I mean, just in terms of this medium, of this genre, two of the most, um, I mean, this is uh, what used to be called, I guess, a super couple back in the day. I mean, 20 plus just years. Just this past year. <laughs> j just this past year, right. And, and of course, all the other history there, I mean, back and forth for over 20 years, uh, clearly uh, this, is, this is the woman for Jack. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And I think um, he is confident that uh, one day, probably as we check into the old folks' home, <laughs> Erica will say, now I realize that you are the man. He'll still be there because that's the kind of guy Jack is, yeah. There were some wonderful scenes when um, Jack and Erica got married the last time down in Boca Raton. We shot on location, and uh, this gorgeous location, and um, running on that beach. And uh, all Running of that on the was, beach. right, that was so much Carrying fun. Carrying you into the surf, I, I just, that's a classic romantic moment. I just love that. Yeah, yeah, me too. I will say when I came back to the show, when we first came out to Los Angeles, those first scenes we had where I said I was coming back because I just didn't think what you were doing was the right thing for you. And I thought those were very romantic in, in, a, in a very surprising way. The romance wasn't written in there, but when those two characters got in that room and he got to say what he wanted to say to you, to your character, to Erica, um, I, I, I thought that was wonderful stuff. I also thought that um, uh, I think we can't, we can't go uh, past this point in this conversation without mentioning our first trip to Paris and, uh, oh, and Corinne, the French, the maid. French maid. I think people remember that, and I remember that. There's so and much. And I remember that. That was so yeah, much fun. It, it was so much fun, and I think it was one of those things that we bonded as actors, we bonded as characters, and there was a bonding with the viewers as well. It was one of those great shared experiences. It was. Mm -hmm. I also bonded with the blonde wig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I bonded with that little apron you were wearing and not much else either, sister, let me tell you. Talk about bonding. Excuse me, I, I, I didn't request maid service. Compliments of the management, monsieur. Well, thank the management for me, but I just put out the do not disturb sign. Do I disturb you? Well, I find you <coughs> maybe a little unsettling. I was just about to take a shower. Oh. Soap up, rinse off, and oh, so you Americans always so vite, vite, vite. Je préfère a long, warm soak in a hot tub. Champagne and soap bubbles, oh, they soothe the spirit. Well, you do seem to have a passion for the uh, sensual pleasures of life. One of the few men in Pine Valley to somehow avoid walking down the aisle with Erica Kane was the dastardly Dr. David Hayward. David is a character that fans either loved or hated. There was definitely no gray area. But for an actor, Vincent Irizarry says that that's something that he loved, knowing that fans both loved him and hated him. But there is a human side to David. And here's Vincent Irizarry talking a little bit about what he thought made David unique. When Erica had me locked up in the basement and she had my hand in a, in a vice and she had me down, we, we, were doing, we did like an entire week of shows down there in her basement. And it was almost as if we were doing a movie down there. It did feel like that after a while because it was just the two of us every day doing these intense scenes and her trying to find out why I was the man that I was. And that's where the whole storyline came out about my father committing suicide. And, and it was really, that was, I love that storyline because it was a defining 
period for David, and it really did introduce the inner workings of David to the audience. They came up with the idea of bringing on my mother, Vanessa, played brilliantly by Marge Doucet, who was also my mother on Guiding Light years ago, who took over for Beverly McKenzie. Um, she came on, and her character really helped define my character as well, because the audience came to realize immediately that my, my character hated his mother, didn't understand why, but the first scenes with her, when she has a heart attack in the parking lot, the audience doesn't know this is my mother, and Erica sees her, she's trying to help her, and she sees me, she goes, oh, thank God, Dr. Hayward, please help this woman, I think she's having a heart attack. And I'm standing, looking at her, just staring at her, and the audience could see me looking at her like, you bitch. And he just literally just walks over her and walks away, and the audience has no idea who this person is, why did he treat her like this? But down in the basement, all of this comes out about my mother encouraging, lying to him, manipulating him, cheating on him, and him come to find this out. My father, who was a great man that I adored and had great respect for, admired intensely. And, and my father put a gun in his mouth. My mother encouraged him to pull the trigger, and he did. And I watched this through a crack in the door. And that showed so much about my character, who he was and why he was the way he was. And it gave the, op the opportunity for the audience also to have some empathy for him while he was going through this, this life journey. You know, that's basically what it was. So I would say that was probably my favorite of all the storylines because it was so substantive and so defining for, for David, I'd say more than anything. In 41 years, you would hope that every character has shown at least a little bit of growth. And Cameron Matheson thinks that Ryan's on-screen growth may have been reflected somewhat by his own personal growth. I think that there's, I'm just sort of sitting here thinking about how my character has changed from the beginning. And obviously Ryan was a, was a big con man at the beginning and he was kind of wooing women and doing what he had to do just to kind of get through the day, very selfishly oriented. And as time went on, uh, sort of having his heart opened up and vulnerable and, you know, broken a couple times and things like that, he sort of became more genuine and more other-centric and less focused on himself. And, uh, you know, I hope that I can, I can relate that to my own life, to Cameron's progression since I started on the show. Not that I was a con man, but, um, you know, I, I definitely had room for improvement, and, and, and I still do, obviously. But uh, I, I'd like to think that, that the progression that Ryan has made is sort of similar to some of the progressions that, uh, that Cameron's made through the years. It isn't just the on-screen characters who've shown that on-screen growth. In a lot of cases, some of the stars of All My Children have literally grown up before our eyes. Jacob Young and Katie McLean had a chance to reflect on how they've changed since they first started All My Children and where they are now in their lives. Well, I've grown up, you know, I'm a woman. I'm like a grown-up woman, and I was a kid when I started. I thought I was very mature, but, you know... I I was a child, really, you know, 19, and and I've I've gone through a lot of life <laughs> in those 20 years, and um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, how to sum that up? Uh, you know, I I grew up in, and I think I I know who I am now. I really had an idea, but now I now I know and. And I like myself a lot more, probably. The, um, and uh, I know what I'm interested in, and I, I give myself more permission to pursue it. I think that's a big one. You know? mm -hmm. What about you? Uh, before I started the show, uh, 
you know, I had been working on other shows and whatnot, and yeah, you know, I was kind of just spinning my wheels. Uh, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was very focused, and I, like Katie said, uh, I was a child. You know, I was just, I thought I was growing up, I was living on my own. I thought that's what it meant, but then this wonderful job came along, and it meant moving to New York, and I knew no one, and I said, well, you know, it's sink or swim time. Go out there and, and try something new. And so that's what, it, that's what it was. And I feel like taking the job and moving to New York, I grew up. Um, it was, you know, culture shock. And, but it, it, it just it made me a man, you know. And I, I feel um, without that, you know, it was definitely a very important molding period in my life. You know, so all my children has helped me grow up. After 41 years and all of the storylines that have played out on screen, everyone has their favorite All My Children storyline. For me, it's probably the storyline that got me hooked on All My Children in the first place. Uh, the short story is, I went to school with a girl who played An Lee Chen on All My Children. Her name was Irene Ng. And I tuned in to see how she would do because she'd never been in any of the school plays. And this was her first acting experience. And finding out that, wow, this, this girl who has no experience is going to end up on a soap opera called All My Children. I mean, come on. This, is, this has got to be something to tune in. And at about that same time, that's when Janet threw Natalie down the well and assumed her life. And, you know, Harold the dog and all of those good storylines. And then Wild Wind and... Oh, gosh, it brings back so many memories. So for me, that's my favorite storyline. I'd love to hear from you guys so we can talk about what your favorite All My Children storylines are. Of course, you can go to SoapCentral.com and choose the feedback to share your favorite storylines. You can also go on to Twitter and tweet at SoapCentralLive or The Soap Central. And, of course, we're on Facebook. You can go over to SoapCentral.com on Facebook and share your thoughts there as well. Managed to dig up a few sound bites that have some other favorite Pine Valley moments. So take a listen to these and see if you can remember where you were when these played on All My Children. My family, the Englishes, were the first inhabitants of Pine Valley. In fact, they were in the valley before even the pines. <laughs> <laughs> You! These are for you. I saw him storming out of the hotel. I thought you might be a little upset, so I bought these for you! You! I hate you! I hate you! I hate you! If I live to be 125, I will always hate you! There are thorns on the... I will see you again! (laughs) You're a liar, Kendall! And I can prove it. Really? What are you doing? little creature I have ever seen. Is he all? Is he all? He is normal. He is absolutely normal in every way. He's the child we dreamed of. Oh, thank God. 
It is God's gift to us. We know that. When, when can I see him? <laughs> <laughs> They're bathing him now. They'll be bringing him in any minute now. Oh, Joe. We have a son. <laughs> yes, we do, darling. Thank you. Thank you for the most wonderful Christmas present a man could ever receive. Okay. Yes, Palmer. I have something for you. Oh? Oh. Oh, my stars. Uh, uh, is that real? Well, yes, it's, it's real. <laughs> yes, it's real. It's uh, not nearly as precious as you are. Opal, would you do me the great privilege oh. of becoming my wife? Oh, oh, Palmer, I'd, I'd be honored. Throughout its history, All My Children has been nominated for more than 420 daytime Emmys, and the show has picked up more than 80 wins. One of those wins went to Debbie Morgan, who plays Angie Hubbard on All My Children, and to listen to her, she didn't have to do a lot of acting to win her Emmy. Let's take a listen to why she'd say something like that. When I won my Emmy back in 1989, uh, it was probably an easy thing to do because the emotional turmoil that the character was going through is what Debbie was going through. Because not only was Angie losing Jesse, but Debbie was losing her working partner, Darnell. Darnell and I, you know, had become such good friends. And he was really ready to leave the show and spread his wings. And he was actually ready to leave about two years prior. And I got on my knees and I begged. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he said, okay, all right, you know, I'm going to stay. And then in 1987, he said, you know, Debbie, no, I really want to do some other things. And I was just so distraught. And so all of that emotion that I had to have for the character because Jesse, you know, was dying was what, you know, was really coming out of me as well. So that was one of my favorites. You, you have brought me more happiness than any woman I know. Enough to last a lifetime. Live. Oh. I will. And probably even more than that was when we came back after 20 years and they wrote this wonderful story where, you know, I, 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 I think I see Jesse on this train, you know, and I'm running down the train tracks and I'm crying, you know, and finally, you know, I turn around and I go to leave and the train comes to a screeching halt and I turn around and Jesse walks through this fog, and it was so epic. You know, it was like gone with the wind. I thought it was incredible the way it was written, you know, the way it was directed, and, of course, you know, bringing these, this super couple back together again in such a huge way.
And though on screen, Vincent Irizarry's David Hayward was always at odds with David Canary's Adam, that doesn't mean that Vincent Irizarry didn't have great respect for his on-screen counterpart. Take a listen as Vincent talks about the first time that he had the opportunity to witness the incredible Emmy-winning David Canary play both Adam and Stuart Chandler. My first opportunity to work opposite David Canary, I felt like I was, I was sitting in a master class because he was doing the dual roles. And it was the first time that I got to see him do that. And we were doing so many scenes that day, literally working opposite for about five hours, watching him go from Adam to, to Stuart. And, and I completely lost myself in his Stuart, completely lost myself in him. And afterwards, like, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. He's amazing. And I just fell in love with him. And he truly is one of the most humble people you'll ever meet. And so for me to have the opportunity all these years to be a part of this show and be a part of American history, really, with a show like this, and even to be part of this medium, frankly, because there aren't many mediums that are out there that are producing product that lasts like 72 years, such as Guiding Light or 41 and a half years of this one and, and other shows like that. And when you think about how many people are, have been entertained throughout these years, countless millions of people have been entertained throughout 72 years of radio and television and, and soap opera and, and countless um, employees have worked you know, for all of these shows, whether it's crew or cast, production staff, directors, writers. And it's just, it's, I'm part, I'm, I feel grateful to, and privileged to be part of this legacy. It's been amazing. It's been an amazing run, so I'm grateful. After 41 years, All My Children has created so many memories, and the show means so many different things to so many different people. I know that for me, if it weren't for All My Children, it wouldn't have given me an opportunity to do something that I love every single day, from the moment I wake up until... I close my eyes at night, and it wouldn't have given me the opportunity to be here on Soap Central Live with you guys to talk about all of the soaps and what we love. I'd love to hear what All My Children means to you. You can certainly send over your comments and your thoughts at Soap Central Live on Twitter, or you can go to SoapCentral.com and share your thoughts there in the feedback section. It's going to be difficult when Monday rolls around and we get ready to tune in and realize that our friends in Pine Valley won't be there to greet us. They've been there every Monday through Friday for the past 41 years, and the thought of them not being there, it's like losing a member of the family. As much as I like to have the last word, I thought that this week we would give the final say to some of the members of the All My Children cast as they talk about what All My Children means to them. And I think it's fitting that the last word on today's show goes to the creator of All My Children, Agnes Nixon, as she talks about what she hopes the future brings. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's special tribute to All My Children here on Soap Central Live. I hope that you enjoyed the show. It has been a labor of love to bring this show to you, even if it has been under circumstances that we wish wouldn't have come around. Uh, again, this has been my privilege, and I hope that this hour of memories and interviews has meant as much to you as it has to me. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this week's edition of Soap Central Live. I leave you now with the stars of All My Children. I'm going to be taking away friendships. 
Yeah. Like deep rooted, long lasting friendships. Um, yeah, I'm going to be taking away so much. It's, it's been some of the best 14 years of my life. So first and foremost friendships and relationships, um, uh, definitely without a doubt. Um, but also memories and, um, growth, um, um, transitions in my life. Like I, I feel like I've lived several lives just within the stretch of it's this one so show. True. And it's, it's so like true. All the things, you know, and then of course, from a purely business standpoint, you know, I think we've, I've learned a lot. I mean, I've learned everything in the world that, on, on this show. I've learned how to do these interviews. I've learned how to, to be to anything that I've learned. I've pretty much learned on this show, you know, or, or, or because of the show. And, you know, it's I true. get to take all that too, uh, for whatever that'll be worth. Hopefully I'll get to use it again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, most importantly, uh, relationships, friendships. Um, I mean, you are chatty today. Rebecca is my best friend. She was until she said that she's my best friend in the world. She was like, you know, previous to these uh, interviews, I was going to really miss her. Not so much anymore. I'm going to take away um, a lot of great friendships. I've met some of my closest friends, um, my husband who Torsten introduced me to, my child, my child, uh, and just being a part of this, this whole company for, for years has been life-changing. For me, it's been, a, it's been an honor. I mean, I grew up watching all my children. Mm. My mom watched all my children. My grandma watched all my children. Um, you know, if you asked me if I'd ever been, what would have imagined me being a part of that when I was a kid watching it, you know, that was like the furthest thing away from where I was in Timbuktu, Oregon, you know. So, you know, uh, to be able to have been a part of this and accomplish this in my life uh, and, you know, to now go off the air with it is, uh, I don't know, it's, a, it, it's bittersweet and, and it's, it's been a real pleasure. I will take away incredible uh, gratitude for the opportunity to play this part uh, in this show with Agnes Nixon at the helm and with this company of actors and this ensemble all around us and all around us from top to bottom, uh, both in New York and now in Los Angeles. That usually doesn't happen even once in someone's life. To have it happen twice, mm. uh, I have friendships that will last a lifetime. I have memories that will last a lifetime. And the knowledge that I worked with the most professional, warm, wonderful, incredible human beings. That's what I take with me. It's interesting. I mean, for me, I think it has made me a better person, a better actor, a better father, a better husband. I think it's made me nothing but better. There's not one thing about this job um, that I think has afflicted me in any way. And I think it's for all the reasons you just laid out. Mm -hmm. I think working with people with whom the value of the day's work is important to them, uh, the value of yesterday's work and the value of tomorrow's work is you know, equally important to them. Um, I can't imagine there will ever be a better place to work. Uh, I think that this will be the yardstick, this will be the standard by which I compare everything that has yet to come. And uh, it has a hell of a job to measure up.
I'm 40 years older. <laughs> That's a big change. But also, I've had, my four children have grown up, and I've just come to see life. And I think because of writing the show, it has made me a better person, I hope. But it certainly made me look at the strum and drang of daily life in a different way. And, um, you know, we, we, at the beginning of the show, I wrote some in the Bible that I presented to the network. I said, the, the great and the least, the rich and the poor, in sickness and health, and tragedy and triumph, you are all my children. And that's what I feel today. And I came, I wrote it, well, it sounded good, but I think after 40 years, I understood what I was trying to say at that time and I I love the show and all the people on it and and no matter what happens we all live in Pine Valley <laughs> Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.